0: Uh, I believe we are live, Alex. Uh, first of all, uh, I got a challenge, alright. Uh, for the next two hours. Oh God! Okay. Yeah, for the next two hours, I I already promised this on uh, like on Twitter and stuff. Uh, no politics, for the next two hours, alright. Oh God! Rich, alright. Yeah, I have. That's All right. Hey, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I mean, I I, I am I, I feel a little bit guilty for not like mentioning anything related to politics you know it's it's like, it's sometimes like the do these guys on red smoke like even get anything but but then i remember that we, we don't <laughs> want to be like just another late night talk show you know it's yeah
1: yeah i mean we really don't know anything about politics either so
0: absolutely it's red smoke it's uh berlin City's soul paradise we change the world but we enjoy it for people who wear name tags to work, it's Red Smoke, baby. It's Germany's smoothest voice. It's the Monarch Architect and it's the Metal Shogun. It's a great morning in Germany, which means hey, a hey, sensational hello. night in America. Hello there. Uh, I, I legitimately got to stop with this opening line. Every time, I, every, every time I say this, something crazy happens in the US. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> wherever you are, welcome to Red Smoke. And we are uh, actually connected to the US this time. In some way, at least. Oh yeah, uh, you might have seen the, the ominous third icon uh, at the bottom of your screen. Our guest of the week, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, be careful, or you'll end up in his next novel. He has an amazing way with words, and when the pen meets the sword you know who I'm talking about. And the way he soulfully swings that pen around, oh boy. Get your elements right, but don't you worry, he's easy to love. Rich Rubio, everybody. you doing? I hope yeah. Everyone's well. Awesome. By the way, <laughs> by the way, Rich, uh, before we start, uh, I, I don't want to be that, that that German douchebag that doesn't get it right, but is it Rubio or Rubio?
2: It could be either or, as long as it said Rubio. Well, whatever right. rolls off the tongue easier. Well, well all right then.
0: <laughs> uh, Rich, are, are you much into politics?
2: I am cognizant and aware of it enough to know what is going on, but mm. also smart enough to not put my emotions or care into it at this point because it, uh, it is just a, a messy, messy black hole that it, it just saps the energy of everybody, their attention. Ultimately, they're just giving more and more of their time and care to politicians that don't care back. Mm. And to me, that doesn't check out, and that's very low ROI activity. So I stay Wait. cognizant. I poke fun at it, but other than that, I I pretty much stay out of it.
1: So you mean posting under Trump's Twitter account doesn't do anything?
2: I mean, it's always <laughs> good to see Donald uh, tweeting some stuff because he does get under a lot of people's skin, and it's funny because I am a big advocate of people being able to express their opinions, and he is a big spearhead of that. So I mean, it's it's funny, but you know, every now and then there's there may be a thread that someone posts something up, and it's just absolute lunacy. You read it and you just kind of look at it and go okay you know I'm gonna and just throw little barbs that way and then you just carry on about your day
0: yeah Rich, you were just talking about the a, a deep black hole I, I think you came to the right place today yeah <laughs> I mean uh look normally I I wouldn't want to do uh, this kind of stuff on the show I, I don't like to do like these uh, artificial promotions but we sooner or later are going to talk about it anyways so uh Rich, let me break the ice. Uh, you have written your first fantasy book, your first fantasy novel, which will have its release this month. And uh, before we talk about this even more, allow me to like recontextualize the question again uh, and ask: since since you have written fantasy, right? Um, uh, allow me to, to ask the the old question: is it more of a political book? And by that. Uh, let me be more specific i I would ask the question whether it is more like lord of the rings or is it more like game of thrones is it more tolkien or more game of thrones is the more ugly realistic political fantasy r-rated i would say uh lord of the rings is more you know and now listen to me for a year finding the right word eloquent german douchebag uh you get the idea right
2: I I would say between the two, Mm -hmm. in its tone and context, it leans more towards the Lord of the Rings. I'm not trying to help spearhead a novel series that revolves around politics. There's enough of it. I try to keep away from that in anything I just about write. And if I do bring it in, it needs to be there solely to help advance the plot and build around the characters instead of it being the sole focus. Because there's more than enough of it in the world nowadays. I'd like to, you know, people are trying to get away from it. I like to try to get people away from those kind of things and get them more invested in just enjoying a good story versus, oh, wait a minute, this is going on. Now, obviously, there's like parallels of the real world that sometimes will end up in works that I do, but I try to steer away from those and I just try to tell a good story overall.
0: Well, Rich, uh, I can say you're in good company uh, tonight, uh, Alex. I believe you, not in English, but in German, have also already published a, a piece of fiction, like a novel, right?
1: I did, yes. So, uh, so it's so, a bit, on, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I just wanted to say it's like a little bit different genre, but uh, yes, I would like to ask both of you. Uh, let me start with the guest, let me start with Rich. Um, like, I really want to talk about inspiration a little bit. And uh, Rich, like, what are your, um, like, pieces of fiction or, like, movies or books that, that inspire you to write?
2: There, there's various kinds. I kind of dabble in things that I just like and that write well into a story. I would say the top impactors that have the sway on my writing, Lord of the Rings, for sure. Everyone, everyone should love Lord of the Rings, and if not, they need a question or life choices. I agree. Uh, I fundamentally agree. Sort of Truth series. <laughs> what? I agree, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry Goodkind's Sword of Truth series, that is probably my all-time favorite book series. Because it's set in a fantasy world, but the fantasy isn't overdone, if that makes sense. Like the magic isn't too overpowered to the point where it does the narrating. It's more so the characters use it as a tool to help the plot advance. And there's a lot of real world elements pretty well written in there that you don't feel like you're in a necessarily real world book. I definitely love those. Uh, There's a manga and anime series out there called One Piece and it's I, I've followed that since I was young and just storytelling in it it's so creative I get a lot of my inspiration from that in the terms of the world building style writing and how the, the plot stays fresh and there's always just new encounters and it, it goes without getting too deep in itself it tells an easy fun story for people to get into uh, I'd have to probably say those are like my three top that Kind of swirl in my head when I start writing things, and then I just I just go nuts after that.
0: I just heard about the that um I don't know if it was the manga or the anime that it was like the the thousands episode, of of one that's piece. That's the one. Yeah, that's that's yep. just crazy. I mean, I mean I haven't. There's, there's obviously not the time to catch this whole stuff up, right? Uh, <laughs> I would need like uh, need like a year <laughs> or something. So if, uh, yeah, but um. The thing is, the, the, there, there's the, the lore of this whole story is like so big, there's so much like world building. It's I would compare it a little bit to Tolkien. I mean, Tolkien has like basically written the whole Bible for his own story. So uh, yeah. yeah, those are like, like, uh, I would say Oda and, and Tolkien are like, yeah, you can, you can say those names in one sentence. Alex, yes. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I, just, I just sorry, to, it got no, lost for a second. There. No, me, no, <laughs> me too. That's okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask uh, now, you, what, what, what do you say, like, uh, like about fiction? How, huh? where do you get like your inspiration from, or where did you get your inspiration from? Because you, you had a, I would, I would call your book a dystopia. Is that
1: good? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a dystopian future i mean it's called called social wars so obviously mm-hmm. there is some some dystopian factor to it it's and well i always like these these novels that have an, an an outlook into what the future could be of mm-hmm. mankind or the world in general and uh, that's why i decided to write something like that because i just like thinking about what could potentially happen if things go this direction or that direction Mm -hmm. and this is why i decided to write this book but i think the inspiration for it mostly came from um oh god i forgot the name of the movie actually great (laughs) (laughs) man what what's it called again um but that's not enough for me man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean um, well, anyways, man. I can't remember the name but I probably will uh, recall it along the line but generally it's just a, a future with AI obviously I mean mm-hmm. and robots and but these robots start to develop some sort of consciousness and obviously goes but this one was more based in a realistic setting and even though my novel has nothing to do with AI or like uh, the consciousness of potentially new beings on this planet. I just enjoyed the setting of it. It's very, very dystopian mm-hmm. and uh, some sort of dark future. And I just put, I just used that as a setting and then placed the whole social thing with, you know, the genders and social media and uh, relationships and all of that on top of it. And yeah, that's usually how I get my inspirations actually from. Movies, because I don't read novels myself a lot, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Uh, so it's mostly movies actually where I have these ideas from. I mean, I I only published one novel so far, but I have a document with like, I think ten or fifteen ideas for novels I could be writing at some point.
0: Well, you guys stay better stay tuned. Uh,
1: Alex, first of all, I believe
0: the movie you were referring to was Ex Machina. Uh, it, Definitely sounds like that. Uh,
1: um, yeah, I know, but it, I think it wasn't that.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <No. laughs> uh, and Rich, uh, I, w- I would like to ask you, uh, movie or book?
2: I can do either. I grew up more so with books. I grew up reading a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can paint a better picture with my imagination than movies usually can for me. Uh, if if it was a movie, it needs to be well done. And it just, it can't be filler trash, as I call it. It yeah. can't be just Hollywood grasping at straws, trying to make a quick bow. I would have to probably say movies. I can usually do movies, or I'm sorry, books. I can do movies quicker, but books I get more thorough enjoyment out of.
1: So, yeah, um, I would agree with oh, that. Oh, Alex. Oh, yeah, zero. definitely. Good. Yeah, also, uh, first of all, I remember the name. It's called Automata, the movie. Okay. Well, asked, asked,
0: that's awesome that you remember the movie. But now the problem is I don't know the movie. <laughs> yeah, I but 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 I but I, but I, I do actually, know, but yeah, I do know X Machina, figured. you know. <laughs> man, man, this this stream is a complete mess. Absolutely, oh my god! Yeah, yeah it's fun. I like it. Red smoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god! Um, but to get uh, back yeah. to the point, what was he talking about? Actually, yes, I agree. Obviously, reading books are more yet deeper and you you can use your imagination much more to actually get the ideas from it so i just i rarely spend the time to read the whole novel to be honest that's usually why i go with movies
0: have you like uh read the oh. whole lord of the rings stuff I mean, it's uh, there are about three pretty big books novels
2: i have i actually own them as well as the hobbit in mm-hmm. one little cute box set and it's ooh, it is an undertaking but it, it is every worth the hype if you can stick through them they put so much in the books mm-hmm. that when you watch the movies even the extended editions don't cover everything that the books wrote
0: it's crazy, man, we have like the, like uh, combined, those are like almost 12 hours of uh, of footage, of movie footage, but I, I have to agree with you. I, the last time I read the, I actually have like a, an edition where all three books are like uh, combined in one big book. So it's like, uh, it's just like a huge Lord of the Rings novel, which I, I really love. Uh, so my memory of the book is not that good but there's so much more to it than what the movies give you are completely, you're completely right about that and like Tolkien it was a fucking maniac I gotta say
2: yeah he, he threw so much lore in there and not mm. for the sake of people just throwing things in a series he did it masterfully he put it in there and everyone could enjoy it because there are still people of this day that read extra things like the Cimmerillion and all the extended universe to understand how Middle Earth was, because he wanted to create such an in-depth universe to the point he actually used the linguistics knowledge he learned from college to make up the languages of the elves.
0: Isn't that crazy? That's what I call world building. And in that case, I would say Tolkien is a little bit above uh, Oda. From from One Piece, I mean, whoever creates like an own language deserves the deserves the prize, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think Tolkien. He definitely has the crown for the most in depth world builder. I'd say Oda probably has the most addictive style and uh, ease to get into yes, yes. with his universe because it's just like it's almost like story cocaine in a sense. The way I describe it to people is like you're blowing lines of coke with his story because he throws something that rewards the reader for sticking around and keeps the story fun without having to rely on deus ex machina to flesh the plot out and the plot can get in depth in terms of how much he puts into it mm. but the plot doesn't get overtly complicated uh
0: rich would you consider like quite straightforward would you consider uh george R. R. martin a uh, copycat of tolkien
2: I wouldn't say he's a copycat i'd say he's inspired by him but he did create something that doesn't feel like it's a copy Mm -hmm. he wanted something from i guess more of a brutal realistic standpoint of how people can be very corrupted by power which you you mentioned it that's kind of the premise of lord of the rings but the lord Mm -hmm. of the rings is more like a living being Belief of the spirit that can triumph over overwhelming odds, whereas Game of Thrones and the rule is don't die.
0: Yeah, that's like uh, when I think of Lord of the Rings, it's like more heartwarming. Uh, I actually haven't read the Game of Thrones novels. Has any one of you? No, I
1: didn't. I just uh, I series. have
2: read the first.
0: Mm-hmm. What can you say about the writing style?
2: Not as wordy as Tolkien, mm-hmm. but still very dialogue laden and on the on the more intricate side of to where you're gonna invest time in reading it. The the language setup isn't as hard, like the prose is not as refined as Tolkien's, but there's still so much depth because they're telling chapters from different characters points of views which is a very interesting thing especially during the time that game of thrones came out because that whole series dropped i want to say like the 90s well before the show ever did so for something like that to a kill off a main character in your first book and tell (laughs) different chapters from different points of view as characters that was almost unheard of at the time yeah Yeah, i think
1: he definitely set a precedent there with prison there with killing the main character in the first book Uh, that was really i mean it shocked a lot of people in the series as well and obviously the readers already knew what was happening which is where these funny clips originate from but i think a lot of series that or shows rather that followed after game of thrones try to mimic this a little bit and these days you cannot really think that any character survives even the first episode
0: it's like a it's like a you know in game of thrones we actually have like a coherent narrative uh and actually uh, ned stark's death makes sense i mean uh the the story builds around that spoiler spoiler
1: yeah well
0: come on <laughs> well well spoiler uh the, sh- the spoiler the show ends pretty shitty I gotta say so uh it's not really I would say it's worth it give it a shot but uh yeah the ending is gonna I, I don't give a da- this this show doesn't give a damn about spoilers um well now yeah. what I wanted to say look uh it's nowadays right. now there's no that's okay now there's some I don't I don't even want to uh, refer to the to the latest Star Wars movies but uh there's a difference between, like, shocking the audience and, you know, just for the sake of shock value, like, oh, my God, they, they didn't kill him off, right? Uh, and actually having a plan for this whole stuff.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I'm going to chime in here for a second, because I think that this is really the issue I have personally with the whole, like, fantasy or generally shows and movies these days that they are really too focused on making money with it and not like creating art. At least that's what I feel because they're so focused on, as you said, shocking the audience. So they have something to to share on YouTube or something. So Mm -hmm. people actually join the show and watch it over that shock or whatever it was instead of trying to make or thinking ahead like multiple uh, series or shows to actually have a plan and have a a story arc that makes sense and is not just there to to get people to watch it.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Rich, are you like a... or talking like post-COVID world, uh, were you a cinema person?
2: I wasn't too much of a cinema person. I... There was a point maybe when I was younger that... I got excited going to movie theaters because Hollywood was still not quite out of ideas, but uh, I don't, I don't really care for movies all that much anymore. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that really excites me. I just releases are so bad that nowadays it feels like all the the greatest movies are behind us. I I often find myself watching classics like Unforgiven is a good example. My fiance and I, when we went to uh, the mountains to get away a few months ago, the cabin that we rented had some DVDs in it, and we were going through, and like, hey, what can we watch for the night? We'll light a fire up and have some steaks, and we found Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. I had never seen that movie before. I know that Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman together are terrific, <laughs> let alone when Clint Eastwood gets to be in the Western, because I grew up watching stuff like Hang 'Em High and the Dollars Trilogy, Yeah. and I was like, I have to watch this. So we put it in, and it was phenomenal. It was just terrific.
0: My God bless that guy who put that movie in the cabin in the Woods there, man. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I gotta I <laughs> gotta email them my thanks like uh, out of all the movies you had, that was a terrific one to put in there. Thank you. Cause they don't they don't make movies like they used to anymore. It's you could tell the contrast. You watch something nowadays that's so CGI laden. Yeah. But they mm. follow the same regurgitated plot points or characteristics and behaviors for their characters. And then you look at classics like a good example i had this talk with someone was jurassic park it hmm. it was a spectacle to watch it felt organic it felt alive the set was somewhere actually in nature and they used animatronics that just made the experience seem so much more real and getting the the audience just involved in it and you just you watch this and go oh my god could could dinosaurs watch you walk like that like as a kid you're you're mesmerized by it it just feels so real and it's just beautiful to watch and now it's just everything is just cookie cutter reliance on cgi and bad scripts. like you get a few movies that do well but overall it just seems to be the trend nowadays oh yeah uh
1: yeah
0: Al- well, alex I, th- I believe you can sing a song about that right yeah well
1: yeah no But well, i was um well, I really, like, lost hope in this whole thing <laughs> was when I discovered that they actually do CGI the tears onto the actors these days. <laughs> um, and I was like, seriously, I mean, you cannot even get an actor who can cry on cue. I mean, this is really part of his job. And now you just use CGI to do that. I mean, that's, not even that is real anymore. And I mean, in some movies, great actors, I guess, they'll do it. But I heard that this is a thing. And it was like, oh man, come on! Are we really at that stage now?
0: Mm. Um, I assume you guys are both a little bit older than I am. I assume this is correct, uh, Rich and Alex. I, I gotta ask you, since this stream uh, revolves a little bit around Lord of Drinks, have you guys seen these in the cinema? Because I couldn't. I was I was too young back in the days.
1: I actually didn't see them in the cinema. No, I think. Oh wait, hold on. I think the first one I saw in the cinema, but the others I watched at home. So, so you
0: watched the first one, and you said, "I did. I don't want to watch the two others."
1: Yeah, I mean, I was young, you know. Well, well, well. <laughs> Bless you, Alex.
0: <laughs> yes. Rich, what about you?
2: I am remiss and sad to say I did not see any in the cinemas. I remember watching the first one on a double VHS set back when blockbuster was still a thing if that's oh. indicative of my age at all I remember <laughs> popping in one day and watching it and uh, it was it was very fun to watch but no I, I never saw them in cinemas I, I wish I would have because they're they're fantastic
0: yes I actually envy people who i mean they are still showing these movies like occasionally in the cinema and especially during the covid stuff uh they put the movies uh, up again in the cinema and i considered going there but what I, I i really envy the people who had like their first experience with these movies in the cinema you know it and now it would be like a cheap uh, knockoff like okay i already know how the story goes but actually going into the cinema not knowing what you expect and then you get a movie like this uh, uh holy crackers man
1: <laughs> yeah that's actually what i felt about star wars um obviously i didn't go into <laughs> the mm. the first like the oldest episodes because i'm not that old but <laughs> um episode one two three i actually watched in the cinema the first time and people don't like the prequels, right? Mm. And I think a big part of why I actually did enjoy them, despite all the, the weird things they have, is because I watched them first time in the cinema because that I do think that really makes a difference for movies like that, especially like these huge movies with lots of <clears throat> action and great scenery and pictures and imagery, right? Mm. And especially also the sound is very important with soundtracks like the Star Wars soundtrack from John Williams that's truly a big difference i think if you watch it in the cinema and sometimes i think it actually makes the movie better than if you were to watch it at oh, home yeah
0: uh rich what's your what's your take on star wars
2: i actually got to watch the re-release of the original trilogy in movies with my dad mm-hmm. and my dad he that was like one of the main series he watched when he was younger and the original trilogy was timeless because it told a story that drew inspiration from various other things in life and it meshed well together. It was a spectacle of a ride to be on. And it, it told a story. And it, it just like Alex said, the visuals and the sound were all there to really engross the audience into going, Wow, we're watching something cool. So it was it was profound when I watched it. The prequel series came along around the time i was leaving middle high school time frame and i did not care for those as much as i feel like they got too bogged down in their own story and didn't keep the spectacle up and it wasn't well executed but comparing it to the new new trilogy i, I would put the prequels <laughs> above the the newest stuff that's out now i don't i look at it, i'm like oh god it's just it's garbage
0: yeah, I mean, we just briefly talked about the yes. decline of yeah. movies. Sorry, Alex, uh, you, you you go. Um, but uh, I think Star Wars is like a symbolical for this decline. I would say, I mean, the the episode seven movie, I think it came out in 2015. And I would say cinema kind of died with that movie. Would you guys agree that cinema actually peaked like in the 90s and 2000s? I'm talking like real high budget
1: rich you go first
0: absolutely all right uh no, no, no rich rich you, rich me. already <laughs> answered he said uh absolutely alex what's your take? oh i didn't hear that no that's okay
1: yeah i think personally i guess the 90s were definitely when mm. truly great movies were still around i think i said it already i think about the early 2000s where when it well, at least I don't know peak, but definitely was like the last, yeah, the last pool before I truly died. I think you know there are some great movies in that that time frame. And yep. yeah, these these days, it's really just the woke crowd trying to get the agenda in the movies, and you can definitely tell how, what they're trying to do, and that sort of ruins the movies for me because, seriously, if I go to the cinema and watch a movie with friends i don't want to listen to some sort of gender thing or sexism or anything like that i don't care i go to the movies to not be reminded of that shit yeah so yeah
0: i mean guys i gotta say uh you know again coming back to lord of the rings i'm so glad that this lord of the rings trilogy was made at this specific time it was you know I i could see it being made like with with really dated effects if it were made any earlier and uh it would be fucked up by studios if it were made any later uh i don't know if you guys heard about that amazon got the got the rights for a, for a series for a whole a lord of the rings series. Uh, i i wonder how that's gonna be
1: yeah <laughs> oh god it was it was just Trying or thinking about making a joke about a remake from Lord of the Rings, and then you bring in that. <laughs> now I'm very confused. <laughs> yeah, because I... I mean, yeah, that's just really trying to remake any sort of successful uh, series from the past and ruin it in the process. That's mm-hmm. really what they're trying to do. Again. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I wouldn't s- look, I, I, I don't want to say
0: there's never room for improvement at all. if. Uh, you know, but but come on, I can already see like the hobbits having like Twitter bios, you know, like like pronouns and and, and, and stuff. Like, oh, oh uh, I'm Frodo, he, him, you know. That's I, I swear to God, is this gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I'm, I'm I'm thinking about I'm I'm thinking about some some uh, shots from from the Fellowship of the Ring. You know, like like um, like all of, uh, like for example, the orcs. All of them had the actual uh, language of Mordor written on their a- uh, armor individually. You know those those beautiful sets at the Shire and stuff. You know, and then I look at Ben Affleck and Batman and Justice League and then Aquaman and this bullshit. Ugh, it's strange. <laughs> you know uh, when when The Lord of the Rings got the Academy Awards, the Oscars. Uh, you know they got uh, I, I think return of the king got like best picture best director best adapted screenplay best original score best original song uh sound mixing art direction best makeup best uh, costume design best visual effect It should have won best everything like best movie forever i i they, yeah. they should they should have ended the academy awards right there saying this is it <laughs>
2: <laughs> You'll never beat this. This is the, the apex of yeah. which you will strive <laughs> and never reach.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, but I was really agree. Uh, the cinema peak. I agree. And, and uh, if you think about it, the movies weren't actually that uh, expensive. It was around uh, 90 million for each movie. And I mean that they didn't fuck up the second and the third movies is like a miracle. I mean, we were lucky enough to get like one good movie, but three. That's. uh...
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. I mean, yeah, especially if it's because uh, the whole series has so much content and then getting it all done in three movies, which actually really crush everything and are great and fantastic to watch that's really something i mm. mean it's truly not easy to make three great movies i mean one movie is hard. that's actually very good and then yep. making three of it in a trilogy that's not easy <laughs> to put it lightly
0: um guys uh are gonna ask rich first uh, which of the three lord of the rings movies do you consider the best you could also answer which of the three books
2: Ah, books I'd have to reread to pick a favorite. In mm. terms of movies though, the, the Two Towers do it for me every time.
1: Okay. Absolutely. I agree.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> I'm the, I'm I'm the outsider here, man. Shit. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually for for Fellowship of the Ring for the first movie.
2: It's understandable. It, it's a t- They're all terrific movies. So if you have a favorite that's different than The Two Towers. It's understandable. They are all spectacles and all tell different parts of the story mm-hmm. equally well. The two towers for me, because they they get Grima Wormtongue out from the king of the Rorim. Then they end up going into fight at Helm's Deep and where everything comes together. I am a sucker for when people have their back against the wall and all of a sudden they go kicking the absolute loving shit out of everything that's opposing them. I will continuously die on this hill. <laughs> I love that. I love that in the story. There's
0: this yeah, mo- actually, there, there's yeah. this moment, sorry Alex. Uh, there there's this moment in in where they are basically awaiting the fight at, at Helm's Deep and then you hear this horn. This horn from the elves and you yeah. hear the um I think it's the Lothlórien theme in bolero rhythm. And that's like my favorite musical cue of this whole trilogy. It's so powerful.
1: And you just know okay, they're gonna kick ass <laughs> yeah that's I think this is also a great uh display of how powerful music truly is, <clears throat> especially in movies because it, people underestimate uh how powerful that truly can be for the for the audience and this is also why i always i have always been a sucker for these epic movies who have these like epic orchestral um soundtracks underneath them like Star Wars Lord of the Rings for example and <clears throat> or Inception something like that because I think a movie that doesn't really I th- actually think half of it half of what makes a movie is the soundtrack in my opinion oh and yeah. uh, I don't know what you guys think of it but I think this is really something that gets under your skin and gets you emotionally involved in the whole movie
0: I would totally agree with that uh, especially when it comes to the music of Lord of the Rings, which many people consider the best film music of all time, and that's—it's uh, really hard to argue against that. I mean, you mentioned Star Wars, but I would say uh, Lord of the Rings has the higher ground there. Uh, R- Rich, what's your take? Like, uh, <laughs> well wh- said. yeah, I wanted to do the—you—you got—you got me right. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Rich, what's your? reference. Yeah. <laughs> Rich, what is like your, uh, how important is uh, the score for you in a movie? Because I could really sense that, uh, like with the decline of movies, especially the score has also become very uh, monotonous, you know? It's like uh, uh, there are not these melodies like in Lord of the Rings you you will remember your whole life. It's like really exchangeable. It became exchangeable. How important do you think is uh, a score for a movie?
2: Any score soundtrack that's with something that already tells a great story, it can be a make or break. Um, I'm in complete agreement with you guys. Uh, You need to have solid soundtrack with a movie or like a video game that if you really want to make some impact with it and create it as a lasting memory, that score will be top-notch. You could hear various tracks from the soundtrack alone not even you watching the movie and you'll know what scene they're doing like you hear you hear the ring go south and it's like yep there's the lay motif of the movie yeah you hear the bridge as a drum it's like yep we're running away from all the uh ah, we're running away from the orcs and we're about to encounter the balrog You, you just know it sticks with you and it's like the same thing with skyrim as a great example you everybody just about knows the dragonborn comes and can sing perfectly in a language that was also made up for the game, but you, you just know because the way it is arranged, it's like each one has the recurring main theme in it, but they also have separate pieces of music to each help illustrate the the scene or the story. So, you know, storytelling is always important, but in mediums to where you bring sound and visuals into the thing, obviously you want that score to help illustrate and really paint it or come to life you don't want something that's non-melodious or doesn't have that hook that doesn't stay with the listener and the viewer because otherwise like what did you what did you make this series for then if you didn't have the music <laughs> to go with it
0: yeah absolutely uh, i mean uh guys the uh i'll briefly also talk about the production of the lord of the rings you guys can actually uh you you got the link to the live stream on youtube you can actually open up the live stream i'm currently playing behind the scenes uh footage from from the movie uh just uh don't uh do it with sound or we get a delay uh you know sometimes the behind the scenes or making off documentary kind of takes away the magic you know sometimes i'm i'm, I'm watching stuff like that i'm thinking oh that's how they made it but uh actually there's a two-hour documentary on fellowship of the ring and and i've been watching this like and not realizing how much time i i spent on this like this whole production is magic really it's it's crazy i would say it's like a miracle that this movie actually got made from a from a person who was basically a nobody before that And he got granted such a such a such a big chance it's really i mean yeah it sounds like a cliche and rich you said it before and alex you said it i believe in a stream before uh they don't do movies like this anymore
1: yeah definitely not i mean uh, i don't even know how he managed to get this made at all as a nobody do you have like the background story for that
0: Actually, no. I don't know what exactly Peter Jackson did to, to get the job, and uh, for some reason, I don't I don't really want to know. <laughs> but no, uh, seriously, I believe uh, I, I believe genuinely. Uh, this is like this is like maybe naive from me, but but this is the actual American dream. He he got the job and he made it because of like rare talent. And he and he coined it, absolutely. And that's what uh, Hollywood is not uh, going to do today. I mean, New Line Cinema, the studio, was taking such a huge risk. Uh, Peter Jackson was doing like indie movies before that, like like cheap horror flicks.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I think there's, yeah, I also, think there's also also a very important uh, yeah thing here because he much he really just did. Against all odds, right? I mean, I guess at least he was nobody, and um, the studio didn't really like produce anything great before, he just tried to get it done anyway. And yeah, I mean, we are all authors in here in this little chat, and there's something I want to talk I will ask you too, as well. Um, what made you just decide to write your first novel at some point? I'm gonna answer it myself, obviously, later, but I'm just curious what let's start with rich what what made you decide to write novels at all and yeah
2: i loved books and i would write as an outlet when i was younger and um it just stuck with me as i wrote things i wrote like little short stories as a kid and teachers would always praise it and go you need to really become a writer you really need to become a writer <laughs> and I would just, well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot behind that. I just, I'm happy just writing my little short stories. And then just over time, it stuck with me. And it, I found that it as a very therapeutic outlet for myself. You know, I got the creative juices out. It was, a, it was a good thing for me to do. And then I'd say the first major big writing I did was about when I got out of high school. Uh, some friends of mine and I, we were just talking one day and we all we all love the final fantasy series and i said you know what i want to write a fan fiction of all of us in a, a, a final fantasy series and so i would i just wrote it for fun i didn't think much of it i just simply said we're gonna get to have fun with it and i would post them up on facebook and notes just so you know they could read it but then other people also had access to read it too and there were friends like whoa this is really good oh my god and from there i was like okay maybe i'm on to something so, around my early 20s, I started documenting and chronicling our Dungeons and Dragons game that I've been playing in, it's set in like a Viking campaign. And it's it centered around from like the point of view of my main character in third person. And that would be something I would update every time we had a game to kind of tell it in like an epic saga. And then I think I stepped away from writing a bit when I joined the Navy. And then I came back to it for like the last few years or so, and then it was about a year and some change ago, I got into ghostwriting. I just, I was on fiber and I was like, well, I want a gig, I like writing, I like to think I'm good at it, but we'll see how good I am. And I found out that ghostwriting is a thing to where you can write stuff for other people. And apparently people really liked what I wrote, so I kept doing it. And in the process, I got better and better at it, and... The writing bug came back in pure form and like i published my my first personal book about late 2019 or so and then started releasing other stuff writing like pdfs and little ebooks and full-blown novels and now here i am helping spearhead and co-author the soulborn sonata series and that's it's where i'm at now and i'm not stopping at this point like i, I just love it
0: well, Rich, you basically yeah, went I mean, full circle, right? Begun,
1: right? I mean, it's just starting. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, sorry. I think I talked I, over you Yeah, for that. I,
0: I, I think I did as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rich, the only thing I wanted to say is like you basically went full circle there. I mean, you started off with uh, writing fiction, then you went into ghostwriting, which you still do, and now you're back to fiction. Like with your first uh, fantasy novel. Would you say like fantasy is like your genre?
2: That is is my wheelhouse. I'm very unashamed to say that that is my forte and my passion. And I like to to spearhead that for people. And it's always awesome to have clients hit me up and ask, what can you do to help bring my story to life? And some have brought long-term clients that keep coming back. But I've got two right now that, one, I'm helping him just full-on develop a webcomic series that he wants to eventually turn into an animated series if so we can get the money together for it. But he wants to start on the online comic part. And then I got another that he just wants a story told for, like, a character, he imagined. And, oh God, we're, like, several chapters in now. And he absolutely loves it. So I, I, I just – I get excited for them because they get to have those ideas come to life because I know what it's like to want to bring – Ideas like that to life as well. They just need someone who can write it, and I'm that guy who can write.
0: Well, Rich, I might be wrong, but uh, it sounds like you found your place. <laughs> uh, Alex, I, I didn't want to cut you off. Um, we still, uh, your answer is still pending. Why have you started writing?
1: Oh yes. Um, well, started writing in general. I think I always. That's something I discovered pretty pretty late. Actually, I always enjoyed just putting my thoughts into words, but mm-hmm. initially it really was like posting on, on online forums or something like that, uh, and it was always very verbose uh, with the with the message. And at some point, I decided because I was uh, reading a book about the Halo series, the video game, mm-hmm. you know, and. I really enjoyed this book and I thought, well, I have a bunch of ideas for novels myself, but back then I was too young to really, or was I, I don't know, I just thought I was too young to write things like that, and I decided, yeah, to, to yeah, put that on ice. And then, as you all know, I later started writing nonfiction books, as I still do, but in the meantime, this this one novel I published was really an idea I just that that just didn't let let go of me really and uh, the social wars thing I, I had this idea constantly floating around in my head and I thought you know if it's constantly there maybe I should put it into words or into written words rather and then this is when I decided I need to get this out of my my head and I don't know if this is some sort of inspiration or creativity bug something like that I don't know but I just I had to get this out somehow And I had to write this thing because it was just bugging me in my head all the time. And after I put it into words and I actually truly enjoyed writing it, I decided for myself, A, that I will be writing more books. For now, it's nonfiction, but I will definitely go back to fiction books in the future. And at some point, I will most likely uh, have a lot of books published because I really just enjoy writing itself.
0: Um Alex, do you like uh I trying to uh like like when I when when I would be asked why uh, I was writing something uh c- can I ask you if you like follow a certain agenda? are you uh, c- could I say that you are a little bit altruistic maybe? are you like trying to help people i I understand this is like a very personal thing, but what would you say is like the the, the, the motivation behind it. I mean, you say, uh, you say uh, I need to get this off my chest. So let's get a little bit deeper into that.
1: Oh yes, you actually uh, got me very right there because the Social Wars novel actually is, I think if I'm being honest with myself there is also a, a way to change society in a way. And many people have said that the best way to to change society or to influence people and how they think is through stories, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you learn in basic copywriting. And with art itself, society has always been shaped. And for this, I decided definitely as well, it's not the only reason, but it was definitely a reason to put this into a this idea about the social like scenarios uh, into a novel and this way try to influence people with a a story so yeah there's definitely a sort of agenda behind it to bring like some real masculinity back
0: yeah that's actually the um, kind of the topic of today Uh, and i would give the question back to rich uh, because alex you know kind of hides some masculine values in his story uh, rich do you think like very broadly speaking is fantasy applicable to real life
2: absolutely people write fantasy because they they want to experience the the most magical and wild of adventures but a lot of things still at heart root in reality and tell some of the best stories they just use the fantasy medium paint the picture more vividly if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Um, Terry Goodkind the author of my favorite books here, he himself had the intent of writing the series of I want to tell human stories but I want to do it in a, a world that is removed from our own yet people can understand and it paints the picture better. In my opinion to leave that lasting impression on your readers to go wow I remember this in this, this epic battle to where both the, the character and the enemy are fighting atop the back of a dragon sailing in the skies, and their their times before the castle gets mowed down by a whole army below them. And it, it sounds just more fantastical that way versus something that could be rooted in nonfiction. And it's not to say that nonfiction can't do the same thing. I personally find fantasy to have more vivid impact on a reader
1: yeah i absolutely agree i think that non-fiction is really sometimes reading it is really just like like being taught something from a teacher you know mm. and this is why even in non-fiction we we try to put personal stories in there so people actually get some some idea not only from the author but also to get a metaphor or an, a real life appliance of the, the thing you're trying to teach there but with a with a real novel or fantasy story it's way more vivid as, uh, as you correctly said Rich and this is usually why it sticks better and which is why I think that having these these woke things in these movies actually influences people much more than they give credit and this is where I think uh, people need to write like, or make art rather it's not just movies and books uh, that is that has values and it tries to yeah get values into people's heads and like put it out there in a in a proper way
0: i would agree with you alex uh fantasy can actually i believe be more subtle you know uh again i'm coming back to all of the rings like for the 50th time in the stream but uh actually like, (laughs) like 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 uh if you think about the ring and what it could all symbolize, you know, like uh, Alex, I think you said like it's a synonym for power or something like that. Some people say the ring is like a synonym, for uh, Sauron is like a synonym for Hitler and stuff like that. So you can like, basically interpret anything you want, uh, which is, I believe, a little bit the uh, beauty of fantasy, isn't it, Rich? It's
2: wonderful. And yeah, it's like you said, uh, you can draw many parallels and symbolism from different situations like people for decades have analyzed and broke down what the one ring meant and what sarn meant and at the end of the day you just got to take it at face value like tolkien just wanted to tell a good story and i'm sure that like things of that nature inspired him because he was from that time where the environment was around like world war one and two so there those events were happening so there's no doubt that if it was an inspiration for him he wrote it in you know we are we are ultimately the product of our environment and our times and that can sometimes reflect in our work when we put that in there
1: oh yeah yeah i think actually it's funny i don't know if this is really true or rather if george r martin said it himself but i heard that for game of thrones the the world walkers right the, the zombies mm-hmm. are actually a metaphor for climate change and throughout the whole series, um, they pretty much ignore it all the time, like most humans do, and then only think about it when it's too late and you, they can't actually do anything about it. I think he said it himself, that this was the idea for the White Walkers or the metaphor for real life. This was truly something I enjoyed discovering because you didn't think about it, that is this kind of metaphor, right? Or while watching it. And this is the the beauty of fantasy that sometimes, even if the author or yeah, the author didn't mean to put it in there, sometimes the whole story has a way deeper meaning meaning to it, which you, will you, which you will discover later, or like by accident, and then it's even more deeper understanding, and that is really when it makes it stick like forever in your head.
0: Yeah, it's not so much uh, on the nose you know there there the are like uh movies especially from yeah. i'm I'm talking the the past 5 years and smell the agenda behind it and uh, alex you said this in the beginning of the stream uh like like you 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 constantly have the feeling you're being being taught something like sitting in school and and somebody teaches you yeah. well it's it's bad to to be a man it's bad to be masculine and stuff it's it's uh, basically every movie of the past 5 years
1: yeah yeah i mean especially it's not just being a uh, bad being a man it's also pretty bad that you are not a woman you know <laughs> and because they are so much better right and this yeah. is something you really if you if you have an eye for it and try to or oh, well, at this point i just notice it that is the that there is a sub- again the happening again but if you don't look at it you might it might slip by You're conscious, but subconsciously you understand what's happening there. I mean, if you look at the Marvel movies, what are now are trying to make every male hero also a female hero, and all the you know all the female uh, Avengers was it? I think yeah. Yeah. They got their own like scene where they are all walking together or marching together in that scene, and the people were like screaming in ecstasy about it, how woke it is, and I was just like. You see I'm I'm not like hating that there are female avengers or something like that or female heroes it's all fine but why is it pushed so heavily onto my nose why do they need to make a whole scene about them to make a statement or something like that why can't there just be some female heroes in the movies and it's fine there's not some some special yeah a whole take for them just so you see that they all what's really to gain there i mean except for obviously pushing an agenda.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, allow me to to briefly explain how, because this is a pretty good transition, uh, how I got to today's topic, which which might sound a little bit like, okay, what are we actually getting? Uh, I am not sure myself. (laughs) Um, You know, you can see on the thumbnail something about traditional manhood. And uh, allow me to explain. I tweeted something uh yesterday or the day before. I tweeted Michael Corleone, Sonny Corleone and Tom Hagen from The Godfather. Uh if you're a man your question is not which one am I, but uh which one do I need to be right now? all right? And uh that's where I get the inspiration for today's topic. You know, I was I was thinking about Lord of the Rings where there are many like uh male characters. Like Cass is obviously 95 percent male about my childhood and you know i was probably like 10 or not older than 12 and uh that, that was the time when when the, those movies came out and me and my friends uh we used to spend the whole day together and whether it be like wandering around or playing video games or playing like basketball or soccer outside like 24 7 we were like well i am aragorn yeah and i am legolas right while playing basketball right it's it's crazy but uh yeah i i hated it i have always been gimly, so fuck this shit but um the point is uh back in the days i i always asked my uh, ask myself which one do i want to be while nowadays it's more of uh, which one do i need to be right now uh what about you guys uh, rich i'm gonna start with you did you have like a, a male role model in your in your childhood Someone who you wanted to be.
2: When I was younger, and I, I can two part answer this because I too have a group of friends I came out of high school with, to where we all say which Lord of the Rings character we are. <laughs> and I, I it's just like I couldn't help but just giggle because I was like, I. We go through the same thing. If anything, they're the same friends that every year we try to schedule where we have a Lord of the Rings marathon and we watch the trilogy in its entirety. So. When I was younger, oh, let's see, What did I look up to? I, I know I did. I just, I don't think I got too fixated on it. I, I watched a lot of action movies, mm-hmm. so Bruce Lee, I would say, was definitely one growing up because I, I watched a lot of martial arts movies when I was younger. Uh, a lot of '80s action flicks, because around the time when I was a kid, like the early '90s, they were they were still relatively popular. So, like, I grew up watching stuff like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, the Rocky series pretty much all those guys were like i guess role models that i wanted to be like i remember always running around the house just going eight shit and breaking things <laughs> <laughs> I could tell my mom like i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get like pumped up like those guys because they're just they're fucking ass kickers and yeah uh, i have to say those were those are probably my my role models looking up to growing up that and that and my grandpa like both my grandfathers uh, my mom's dad and my dad's dad were both in the military, and, I mean, they they were both reputed being great at their jobs, loving their families, uh, handling business, taking no shit from anybody, and bona fide ass-kickers. My mom's dad, he was in the Navy, fought World War II, and he used to box for the Navy and then do a little bit of judo and then got the law enforcement when he got out. And then my dad's dad, he pretty much did his whole career as a Marine. Uh you know, my Papa Joe was just a a short, stubborn Italian guy that he just loved the shit out of his family. He loved cooking for people and he loved shooting guns and getting into fights. Oh. I, I come I come from uh fighting warrior blood on both sides.
1: Alex, what about you? I just I just wanna say first, that is fantastic, man. You have truly warrior blood running in your veins. That I love people like that that's great and also like the story um just wanted to add that yeah for me i think mostly it was funnily enough actually the matrix and star wars which is weird a weird combination i know and to be quite precise actually Uh, mostly mostly... uh
0: rich rich you gotta uh turn off your sound of your video you are streaming we got a delay over here
1: OK, that's OK, yeah. Okay. seems to be fixed now. Yeah. All right, great. All right. Um, yeah, Matrix and Star Wars. And I think for the Matrix, it's actually Neo himself, because I always sort of like the idea that your mind creates reality. And I obviously still talk about this a lot. And this is something that, yeah, really, really helped me back in the days to understand how things truly work and i loved just the power he inherits to create or to shape rather his own life which is what most men don't understand these days that you can totally do this and this is something i really enjoyed there from him and which i guess is why i look up to him and yeah for star wars it was really just uh, i guess i'm really drawn to power <laughs> because yeah he, um, i mean obviously in star wars it's always the fight about good versus bad right and mm. as people might know i'm quite versed on the bad side as well and this is something i guess i truly enjoyed there looking up to guys who understand how power works and how the world works good and bad and how to use that to their yeah to their benefit and how, to their own success
0: well mm. oh, guys let's uh Let's talk a little bit about the the male characters in in uh, Lord of the Rings. I don't I don't even really know what expect uh, what I can expect of this conversation, but maybe I'm gonna find something interesting out. Um, so when it comes to the characters of Lord of the Rings, the the male characters, uh, like do you guys think those are uh, are there like virtues, like uh male masculine virtues that. Of course this is like completely subjective but uh, from our point of view and we all uh, three of us have like I believe a similar uh, view on the world, do you guys think, um, Rich again I'm gonna start with you, that the virtues being presented in Lord of the Rings are virtues you would teach your son, your
2: own child? Without question, a hundred ten percent. Like to me, those that Lord of the Rings is a portrayal of how traditional masculinity is, in my opinion, well executed. Because you know the Fellowship was all guys that they were scared and uneasy to have to take on such a great task, but they did. They they sacked up and said, "We're gonna go to war. We're gonna go to Mount Doom." We're gonna go rally up all the ends. I mean, they they each all had a major task before them to work together. And I mean, that that scared the shit out of a lot of people. Like you gotta put yourself in their shoes and go, Wow, how would I have performed in that? And you just it's one of those things like that's that's fucking scary. Like, you know, as the fellowship together, oh, we could take on anything, but when they split and each had things to take care of on their end to make sure they stopped Sauron, it's like Oh, it just got that much more real and so they have to do things to where they're pushed to fight to grow as people to not give in to temptations as we saw with Boromir in the first movie mm-hmm. he was tempted by the ring so much that as someone who had the best intentions of using it to help his people and the fellowship because he was, he, he was a warrior through and through but he, he cared so much, especially like in the scene where he's, he's playing with the hobbits and then towards the end where he's trying to protect Frodo and he's taking on the uruk I mean, those are all masculine traits that I feel like just kind of gone out with modern modern times now. It's, nobody wants to do the hard things, but nobody also wants to be kind in the right company. And it's, mm. it's a fair balance. Like, you, you got to know when to fight, when to be stoic, when to be ready to handle some shit. But don't be afraid to also enjoy life and be kind and enjoy fellowship and brotherhood with you, your fellow brothers, your friends, your family, and to you know, conduct yourself accordingly. You don't wanna be this, this just godless heathen that, oh, I'm just gonna be led by my desires because being so easily controlled by your own impulses and desires and emotions, that's not a masculine trait. Uh, people misconstrue it nowadays and think it is, and they call it toxic masculinity, Not having any control of those is not masculine because being masculine means that you are on top of your game, you are indeed control yourself, and that you manifest your own destiny. Yeah,
1: that was very well put. I agree, I agree agree with that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think, um, for me, I always thought that, yeah, the Lord of the Rings really is is a display of a man's life in a way because they all start like. As yeah, not very very strong man, like living in their bubble of comfort at home, pretty much, and then they need to go on an adventure and they take their brothers with them, which is pretty much what we did as kids, right and on that adventure to growing up and becoming a man really, and there are temptations along the way um, which you have to deal with, and you have to grow as a person as you rightfully said, rich. and this is what makes you really a man that you are. Like, understand how you operate, how you can easily fall for temptations yourself, how your friends can fall for them, and see how they work with that, and what temptations they actually are, and how to deal with all of this. So I always thought that this is truly a great display of a, of a man's journey in life. Actually, the Love the whole series, actually, and <clears throat> and yeah, that that it's stigmatized to being toxic these days at least to some degree, uh, with the masculinity, is really just a display of the decay of that society. Because, I mean, going out with your brothers on a huge adventure to pretty much saving the world, what is really toxic about that? I mean, isn't that like the basic foundation of what man should be doing? Trying to save and fix society and, yeah, save people and that the evil doesn't overrule anything isn't that really what we are always trying to do Mm. i mean that's what what i really enjoyed about it and where i think the basic idea actually for me at least comes from that this is truly a masculine movie in the sense that it's just a journey or journey of any man at least it should be these days we don't have this most guys just stay (laughs) like frodo in the beginning or, or and all his friends and not do anything with their life. They don't even, like, go out with brothers and yeah, conquer themselves or conquer reality to some degree. They just stay in that, that yeah, useless lump of, <laughs> of a man they could be, but they aren't. And this is why I always think you have to engage in adventures and adversity and struggle to see who you truly are and also Put yourself into temptational scenarios and situations where you have to fight them and overcome yourself to not fall into it i think this is a very very important for any man and it's pretty lo- pretty much lost these days
0: absolutely um i would like to start like uh I- i'm not sure that we get like all characters like we can like do a in-depth character study of like every main character of a lot of the rings but uh there are definitely a few i would like to talk about and uh, the first one would uh, obviously be like gandalf the the sage the the paragon of, of this whole series like virtues of wisdom is uh the thing i uh, i think about first uh rich is actually on mute so so he's probably busy uh, alex uh what do you think uh, oh rich you are back i can see All right.
2: Um, I have my muted. Just I I didn't want any like sounds kind of crossing into the feed.
0: Oh, that's okay. I I didn't get any uh, before, so I think that's okay. All right. Um, Rich, uh, what do you think? How does one achieve wisdom? I mean, Alex, you just said it pretty beautifully. Um, Rich, what do you say? How does one achieve wisdom? How does one become a (laughs) <laughs> Gandalf
2: Wisdom is achieved through experience You have to go and experience things And you have to experience lots of them If you want the proportionate wisdom to go with Because the wisdom is just The state of being wise to something And there's no better experience Or teacher than Experience mm. So to truly become wise It doesn't have to be an age thing Naturally your wisdom should go up as you get older because you are hopefully learning more things and if you're not you've got a problem because you're not getting wiser as you're getting older that means you're either not living or you're not learning from things that you're doing over and over and that's one point of life is to to move beyond uh impedances like that that hold you back to learn from them and to grow wiser and as you do that you can pass it on to other people so to become with them it's really just the simple equation of going out living learn from your experiences keep them close and use the knowledge to make better decisions and repeat the process over and over
0: you know uh there the, there's there's actually one scene i i don't want to say it's like my favorite scene but that's so hypocritical i would probably say this about like 20 30 scenes in lord of the rings uh but you guys probably know which scene I'm talking about. Uh, when when Frodo is like burdened with the weight of the One Ring, and they are uh, they are in Moria, and they're they're lost their way, and he bitterly says, uh, "I wish none of this had happened." And I love uh, Gandalf's reply, where he says something like, uh, uh, "So do all who live to see such times, but uh, that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us." And and I can literally really talk about this quote alone for the for the rest of the stream, I believe.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think if I just can chime in here. Mm-hmm. Um I think yeah, this is really what people don't understand that many things that happen in your life, and people or men especially these days, they are if something bad happens they are like mad or get lost in their emotions about it and what i have discovered in recent years is that anything that bad that happens is actually good that might just be a reframe to actually enjoy life but i think it's really something to understand as a man that bad things happening really just help you to grow as a person Mm. and it's it's a teacher as rich uh, said earlier quite correctly that any experience you have be it good or bad Teaches you something about not just yourself, also about friends, life, family, and how everything really comes together. And this is also where he talked about age, right? And uh, Gandalf obviously being quite old. But what I always say these days: many men they don't grow old; they just age, mm-hmm. which really just means they just, yeah, put no, put more numbers onto their age, but they don't really grow as a person, they don't grow old, they don't get that experience and wisdom, which Gandalf, for example, has through all the things he went through and things he learned and saw and, yeah, experienced. And this is something that is truly missing these days, that these experiences, being good or bad, are very, very important for your life as a man, because it helps you to understand the fabrics of reality much better, and yourself, obviously, as well.
0: Yeah, you know, if I may add, there's actually uh, another quote from, from Gandalf uh, and it says uh, I will not say do not weep for not all tears are evil and I think that uh, mirrors what you just said, like uh, the character of Gandalf understands that grief or in that case bad uh, you know, bad circumstances are a real part of living you know, we are living in a broken world you know
1: It's much like with with death itself. People are always afraid of death. Mm -hmm. I mean, understandable. You don't want to die, right? But I also always say that death is really what gives life meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Because if your days wouldn't be numbered, what would you live for, right? The fact that they are numbered is what makes it necessary for you to put life into these days you have. And this means good or bad things happening in your day or in your life rather mm. and yeah understanding that some bad things happen and that it's a broken world and that people are not perfect at all and that there are things they will do to you which you don't like but there are also things they will do to you that you do like mm. and you just have to understand that, are, that these things are natural and they are part of your life and you like mourning them doesn't really do anything you have to accept them and understand them. Yeah, work through them yourself. This is very important. Uh,
0: Obviously, you could uh, see references between the work of Lord of the Rings from Tolkien and uh, religion and Christianity. Uh, Rich, would you consider yourself a man of faith?
2: I would. I was brought up in in a Catholic upbringing, and then as I got older, I started leaning towards more like non-denominational Christian faith. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm actually glad you asked that question because I recently went live on Twitter a few weeks ago. Uh, and part of, part of that live view was just me coming back to the faith in, in a new perspective because around like my twenties, I wouldn't say I, I cast it off entirely, but I just, I wasn't about it because growing up, I've had some bad experiences with the church mm. that it, it was like why why would god let all these terrible things happen and why would his people be so wretched and show the worst parts of humanity in a place where we're supposed to be the best and so it kind of just soured me from those things and it, i was like that for a few years and then a couple of years ago my fiance and i were in a car accident where a drunk driver hit us and he could have very well killed us like he was he was hauling ass and we got hospitalized for it and, thank God that, you know, we're alive and well for it, Hmm. but that made me kind of revisit it and go, okay, you know, I'm, uh, it's like one of those paradigm shifts you have to where you reevaluate your life after something significant. And I did, and I started revisiting just old teachings. My dad and I used to Bible study a lot when I was younger. And I I went, the people can sour faith back. And people can become extremists. That doesn't mean that we have to. We can adhere to the teachings of God. And it doesn't have to be just faith of Christianity. It could be around the world. Because you know, the, the travels I've been around the world, I got to experience other cultures. Like in Japan, I went over to the, the great Kamakura Buddha they had there. And it was cool getting insight of like what their belief system was there. Mm and getting to see how the Muslims operated when I was in Kuwait and Dubai, uh, it's just, it opens your eyes to let you know that at the center of all those faiths, the important thing they stress is, do well by your fellow man, love your family, you know, be be pious. And there, there are lessons intertwined in faith that go beyond just overzealous, blind adherence to morals. Like, oh, well, we have to do this because we're, we're trying to be more righteous than the family next to us. That's not the point of it. The point of those things is that each one, like the Bible says, where they had parables, is to be a parable that there are underlying values that contribute to a well-structured society and for us to be better humans. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it gets lost nowadays in the sauce of that because you have people that have gone to the extremism and twisted the word of God to better benefit and suit their narrative versus taking it for what it is and go, okay, there's an important lesson in there. What can I learn from? It? And just after that, I've, I've revisited and, and ultimately kind of stepped back into the faith of Christianity in a new light to where I want to I want to be able to live those values as they are instead of twisting them in some holy light if that makes sense.
0: It does. Uh, and you know it actually um, doesn't even contradict what we said before you know when i was saying that that for example sauron of lord of the rings is like a like an allegory for hitler i believe that's how you can misinterpret some stuff in a <laughs> i mean in a good or in a bad way and that's a little bit i would say the danger of uh when i when i'm speaking about the new testament which is really uh which is really broad broadly written it just really uh it's easy to be interpreted in in so many ways. Yeah, but uh, Rich, um, do you find, I'm I'm sorry if I'm drifting apart a little bit, but this is, uh, it's it's really interesting right now. Um, Rich, do you, uh, how do I put this right? Do you find yourself, uh, can you put faith and what you would consider masculinity you know can you like combine those two things or do those two things contradict with each other um, when I'm thinking about like uh, you know yeah just just give me an answer
2: it's a, I would say that's a balance that's mm-hmm. situational I truly believe it the best yes they can Faith is having the will to continue on even if you have no definite end goal to have faith means that you believe in something beyond the tangible logical and rational and sometimes that's the very last bastion of hope that people have and that's a super masculine trait in my opinion to be able to hold out hope even when everything in front of your very eyes looks as though it's about to come down on you because it takes it takes masculinity and extreme toughness to be able to continue to weather suffering for the sake of faith whereas you could just throw in the towel right there if you're willing to reasonably push beyond immediate suffering because you have faith and know that something lies on the end of it beyond suffering then to be able to continue to weather that beating that you're taking is is one of the most masculine traits you could ever have it can also go into folly if the faith is unbased unjustified and it's completely blind to a point where you're doing it just for faith's sake like you're you're praying that oh, I just pray that my situation will get better. I just I have to have faith that it's going to get better. And then someone asks you, well, what are you doing to make it better on your end? Well, I'm just praying about it a lot and having faith. It's like, that's not going to fix your fucking mm. situation. You need <laughs> to step up and do it for yourself. And like, I've had talks with people where I go, prayer is a wonderful thing because you are generating positive intention and energy to put out into the world. And that that's always a good thing. you cannot rely on that as like your magic lamp that your problems are just going to go away like that. Sometimes once in a blue moon that I explain and distribute a random chance things line up to where it it (laughs) does make something go away and your problem solved. It's super rare though. That's like the anomaly of the fabric of life. And I don't advise people banking on that. You have a better chance of winning the lottery than that happened. You have to take affirmative action in your life And then while you're weathering and toiling to meet that next result, then by all means, keep praying about it because that that, that helps keep your spirits enlivened. You speak it into existence or at least think it and you just it's like positive reinforcement for yourself and others as well. Like find a goodwill and people say, oh, I'll pray for you. It's good. I think it's a terrific thing that people would do that for me, and I, in turn, tell people, you know what, I'll, I'll pray for you about it if that's the case, because mm-hmm. I I want to see your situation better. So, faith is definitely within the right boundaries a masculine trait.
0: A very interesting worldview, and I and I gotta agree. It's very funny that you just uh, said it this way because I believe, uh, in most parts of the world, a common understanding is that Christianity equals a passive lifestyle, a lifestyle where you gotta hope that something great happens. Uh, a lifestyle where you not like take actions. Um, Alex, uh, w- what about you? I kind of forgot about you now in the last few minutes. Speaking of balance, um, would you consider yourself a man of faith?
1: Um, my view on this is actually quite quite different, I guess. Mm. Personally, I don't believe in some sort of deity, but I do think that religion actually has a great, great use in society. And I do think, especially these days, we could use much more religion and whatever religion you choose doesn't really um, matter to me, even though I actually was raised Christian. Mm -hmm. um, And I think that uh, the religion itself isn't really the issue, if it's being passive or not. But I definitely agree with you when you say that, especially with Rich here, that you actually have to put in action, otherwise nothing happens. It's like, I was reminded of this quote when people say, goals without action are, action are just dreams. You could also say prayers without action are just dreams, right? I mean, it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And for this, I think that no matter what you believe in, if you believe in a religion or not, or in any faith, um, you always need to put in the action yourself. And this is the important part here, which is, I think, taught in religion as well, and which which is what we are lacking these days heavily. That, A, people don't really have morals or at least a moral guideline, even though I am very aware that some of the dark traits I teach tell you not to be into morals which is where people always call me a hypocrite but it's the nuance here that sometimes morals are very helpful to keep society in a yeah in a healthy state because if you look at what people are doing these days with literally everything being allowed i mean look at what you, what we got from it compared to when people had rules they pretty much apparently They are given from God, but in the end you set them for yourself, right? If you believe in it or not, this is your decision, right? Mm. So you set your own rules and guidelines pretty much. And I think this is important because it, in my opinion, makes for a better society if people actually believe in something. So I just always said that religion in my estimation is really just the experience from man back in the days, what they thought would help society and other men and other people in general to be better men to create a better society to create a healthy and better living together with other people and other humans and for this i do think that we are in desperate need for religion these days
0: Mm. uh you know i was just uh thinking about I, i didn't expect this whole conversation to to go about this topic, but it's kind of interesting you know when 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 uh Again, back to a lot of the rings, when Frodo uh, longs for the punishment of, of Gollum, again we are still in Moria. Uh, I like the way Gandalf rebukes him, and he says, uh, many that live deserve death, and, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? You know, it's, uh, Rich, I gotta ask you, doesn't this, uh, isn't this like an exact copy, basically, from, from what uh, Jesus says in the New Testament?
2: Jesus was a kind man, but he also didn't take shit. A lot of mm. people forget that when he found the Pharisees messing around in the temples and the churches, like trying to profit and line their own pockets with it, he was flipping tables and he was yelling <laughs> at them. Like, I think modern Christianity makes so many, especially the men, just so tame and meek and weak
1: mm, that
2: they, they push – so much of the the new testament in the form of well we just need to keep turning the other cheek no matter what we're supposed to be tame we're supposed to be docile we're supposed to we're supposed to be super kind because that's the way we're going to get into heaven and it's like you know i look at the old testament and i like a lot of stories of the old testament better because god was just straight up with people like he was throwing plagues he was killing people he was like, Y'all gonna act like this? I for an eye, motherfucker. <laughs> like he didn't he didn't play no games and I feel too many people overlook those parts of the Bible as well because they just they want to think that believing in a kinder version of reality is gonna make reality better than what it is and it's not. And yeah, it's you gotta know when to handle business and you gotta know when when to just live a, a good life towards those it's a it's a balance you can't have too much one or the other you you got on one hand the modern church just weak and my, yeah. my dad and I actually had the, a great talk about this like it's just, we're, we're disgusted with how it's gotten and on the other side you know you have depravity and just pure evil where people are just violent all the time and completely malevolent and that's never good either it's walking that balance of knowing when to be able to tap into the one side and knowing when to tap into the other
1: And actually, I can add to this, because you just used the word meek in there, and this is something I have uh, discovered a while ago through John Peterson, actually. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, because there is this quote, right? The meek shall inherit the earth, right? I think it's from the Bible, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and he discovered that this is actually a completely wrong translation these days, that people think meek means some sort of, like... uh, weak to some degree and also not being affrontive to people and actually the word meek comes from the greek history when they used stallions from the mountains and broke them for war these stallions they were super fast they could run very fast they could didn't care about arrows or fire throwing at them were being thrown at them and they responded to the like smallest notch from the rider, right? So these horses were very powerful and very strong, but they also were refined and controlled in what they did. And when a horse had these traits, it was called a meeked horse. So I think, and this is what John Peterson actually said, that the meek shall inherit the earth actually meant that warriors understanding how the world works, but they are controlled and don't just like kill for fun. They use it only when necessary and also like scholars, these people shall inherit the earth. And I think this is really what religion actually meant, especially Christianity, that this is what you should be. You should be able to defend yourself, defend your loved ones, and if necessary, fight or fight, but you shouldn't do it just out of like spite or something like that. And I think this is very important, and probably where this all went wrong with maybe just this little wrong translation there.
0: Yeah, it's uh, understandable. It's 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 tragedy, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Tragedy, the the let me say, pussification of of Christianity nowadays. Uh, I know it's funny. Uh, again, I'm 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 constantly doing bridges to, to Lord a lot of the rings, but uh, it's it's not my idea. But uh, Frodo is often interpreted as the primary Christ figure in Lord of the Rings. I mean, he chose to bear. A burden that wasn't his own, uh, one that took a terrible toll and, and demanded an infinite price. Uh, but even so Frodo walked willingly into the enemy's uh, lair, you know, for for his sake, for the sake of his friends. Uh, he carried on his body an evil curse, you know. Uh, Frodo walked to the end, even to the point of death. And uh, if that's not masculine, I, I don't know what is.
1: Oh, yeah. It's funny because if you think about how some alpha guys on Twitter think like they're really <laughs> the shit pretty much. And some yeah. some guy like Frodo <laughs> is actually more masculine than them because he actually <laughs> took some real burden on his soul pretty much. And mm-hmm. uh, he's not just talking shit on Twitter, you know, he actually did things. Yes. I mean, obviously, it's a fictional character, but just the uh, the metaphor there is very, very telling, I think.
2: agreed like it's it's beyond what they call chest beating you're not oh i'm an alpha motherfucker for the sake of being alpha (laughs) it's it's like you're proving the proof is in the pudding you know what you are and you walk with it and it's just like you said man like it, it it's a malady on twitter nowadays where everyone's just trying to like one up alpha male the other like oh i i fucking slumped down Ate raw eggs, threw a fucking beer bottle, and then took three cold showers, and fucking shit seven million dollars for sunup. What did you do? And it, you just—you you can't help but just like laugh at it because you're like, "What are you? What are you trying to prove here?" Like, dude, it, it's okay to live to live a, a normal life that doesn't involve those things, unless it's truly what you want. In that case, by all means, do it. But yeah, it, it's just—it's—it's it's chest beating and showboating at that point, like. You know, just, just live your damn life. Like, go do shit. Like, sometimes I'll occasionally get dragged into, I guess, like, the alpha Twitter, and not in a bad way. Like, they go, oh, this motherfucker's doing some shit out there. Like, he's hiking mountains and fucking fighting and shit. And I don't ever try to, like, boast on those things. I just, I, I genuinely love them, and I want people to see, like, hey, look at these sites I was at. Look what I did. And, I don't know, sometimes they, they look at it as like, yeah, it's some alpha shit. I'm like, it's just me living my life. I like doing these things. I mean... Yes, traditionally fighting and, you know, humping Mountains is masculine, but I'm not I'm not trying to get an alpha Twitter and tell you how darker my coffee is than you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I get this also a lot. People ask me a lot how to be more alpha. And I'm like, you know, you can't just give yourself that label and that's it. It's really just what you do. And when you do these things, the things you really enjoy, as you said quite well, Um, It doesn't matter if it's Alpha or not. It's just what you want to do. And people are so so bound to that label from the Alpha pack leader. And it's really, they do weird things to get it. I mean, it's really just external validation, mostly on Twitter, but trying to to be labeled as the Alpha guy so hard really just means that you are not the Alpha guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it almost goes to parody and like in which some circles actually do parody it. And it makes me so happy, like, I love seeing certain certain circles that we run with on Twitter when they're like, you know, what's really alpha going outside and suntanning your balls like that shit Just <laughs> gives me life. I, I laugh every time I see that <laughs>
0: Hey rich, uh, would you would you say uh, social media itself like broadly speaking? Uh, is it a curse? Or is it something good?
2: It is, at heart it is a tool much like a gun. It is a hmm. it is simply a weapon it is up to the user what they do with it. Unfortunately, overwhelming amount of people have turned it into something to where you could liken it like a curse because people waste their energy on their arguing with people, that, whether it's like loved ones or strangers. I mean, I can understand arguing with a stranger to an extent, but it's like, you don't know these people at the end of the day. Why the fuck do you care? And it's worse, in my opinion, if you're arguing with your own loved ones, because, you know, someone gets like this, moral sense of superiority that oh I'm checking them because their stances are wrong and it's like are their stances wrong or do they just have a different opinion you don't jive with and you can't handle that and you have such cognitive dissonance that you just excommunicate them from your life entirely and you end up more anxious and depressed afterwards like I don't, I don't fucking understand the ma- mental gymnastics needed to perform that act because it's like you you do like a, a running start into an argument and you pirate over it and you're like doing three fucking turns to avoid the fight and keep deflecting it. And ultimately it just ends with you doing a triple backflip off a bar saying, well, you know what? I just can't fucking deal with you because you have different stances, whether mostly political nowadays or just different beliefs that I can't be with. And then, you know, you throw a slurism to label you something because it's always easier to demonize and dehumanize to be able to justify why they do it. And then, you know friends or even like they, they excommunicate their own family members i said something about this earlier because i i could not imagine excommunicating my mother or father for simply because they had their own beliefs and opinions about something that even if i may not agree with mm-hmm. like did to do it in your own blood i it couldn't be me i could not fucking imagine that like that that right there that's a fucking mental illness in my opinion
0: you know guys uh you, you both know uh dylan madden of course, right? Like money bag sure and uh i I love what he said it's one of my favorite tweets i believe it was even last year where he said uh one hour of social media is more harmful to you than one hour of
2: netflix what do you guys say about that i agree Mm -hmm. 110 percent, total agree
1: yeah i think for most people that definitely is the case absolutely
2: yeah i mean I, i find myself
0: uh you know, I, I have to put restrictions on myself uh, when it comes to social media because... Oh, yes. Uh, like like spending one hour without any control, like scrolling to whatever it is, like Twitter or any other uh, social media platform, whatever it is out there, uh, de- I never feel better afterwards. You know?
1: Yeah, I actually, actually definitely agree. I had to get to the point where I... Choose a specific time frame in the day. It's actually two time, two time slots a day now where I go on Twitter and, and not uh, not any other time frame that day, because if I just go onto Twitter, like for example Twitter or any social media, and just with the idea to to just check it, you know, just checking Twitter, just seeing notifications, then I'm on there for half an hour and showing through comments, which ruin my energy and my mood and that really doesn't doesn't help me yeah. at all. So I decided to choose I mean it's uh 15 hours 15 hours 50 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening where I check Twitter usually and this is it because anything more than that really just ruins my productivity to be honest and yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um Rich what do you like uh use Twitter for? I mean, you said like you 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 like to share things like like for example when you go hiking or somewhere. You just enjoy sharing this stuff. Uh what what, what do you think most people use Twitter for?
2: Shit posting, arguing. No. I I see so much <laughs> of that like obviously on our side of things, we like to use it to to more productive ends where we want to link up with fellow minded people. We want to be able to create, we want to be able to put ourselves out there and build build our own brand and names mm. and entities. But, dude, there's just so many people out there on, like, the shitpost side of Twitter that they just, they want, they live to argue. Like, you get some, a non-egg profile letter number <laughs> tag that pops out of nowhere, like, on a thread just to, like, try to, you know, like, throw heat your way. And you're like, who the fuck are you? Like, you and your check's follower count, two followers? Like, who the fuck out of here? So... <laughs> i mean it's it's more or less gets back to the whole what does the person use it for i i enjoy twitter because i follow solid people so my feed is usually great stuff Mm -hmm. and then sometimes like the the shitty stuff i I end up do seeing i just i move past it or i just laugh at it because it's like what else can you do if especially like on the political end like god it is twitter is just so ingratiated in politics it's stupid so Mm -hmm. just the things you see at that point it's just laughable it's like you couldn't write a better script than this but (laughs) i i enjoy twitter because i'm able to like i'm able to write something real quick just like a thought that pops up and i have to say it in only but so many characters or you know it's it's gonna run on and i try to usually keep them succinct so i write and then i like to share things and it's a good platform to put stuff out there because algorithm works well enough uh instagram's a close second because it's pictures and again I follow people that I like. I don't really follow the people that always got some bad shit to put up or they're just always being sad and shit. I and mean, Facebook I'm rarely on if ever now. I, I really much have to run a few groups, uh, be in engagement groups and like have an ad account. Uh, that, that's it. And maybe for my family too, because I've had to unfollow so many people I know on there because it's just nothing but politics or just sad boy shit posting and, mm. You're just like Dude, I don't need that shit in my life. So I I pretty much just stay off Facebook. It's just it's an incendiary shithole of fighting <laughs> of everyone just being mad at one another. And I'm like, I don't got time for that shit. I've only got so yeah. many ta- so much time in the day to do things, and I'm gonna spend it being around the things that I enjoy.
1: Yeah, I think people just don't value their their lifetime enough. If you think about like when if you spend two hours on Twitter like on a political argument. Uh, did you really make good use of your very, very finite lifetime? I mean, that's Why? really just something people have to ask themselves. If th- what does it really do? What does it help you in any way? No, it doesn't. Does it help the other person? Does it change the other person you're arguing with in any way? And even if it did, like if you really converted them or convinced them to change their opinion, what do you gain from that? Did, did exactly. it make your life better in any way? I don't think so. So this really is something people should ask themselves when they spend hours on social media. If, is it really a good use of your lifetime? But I guess this goes yeah. for many things like four hours of Netflix as well. But yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it boggles me because it's like you wouldn't use that time that you're arguing with strangers you'll probably never meet in real life. You want to put that, you? yeah, that's what matters to you the most. Like you're, you're going to just like walk away and go to your, your scene of other like, wow, guess what i did today honey i fucking told this ranger (laughs) off on the internet that you know i had this stance and they were fucking wrong and then i just called them a racist or a transphobe and everything was better (laughs) hooray it's like wow your brownie points are certainly there today good for you (laughs) like what the fuck (laughs) at that point it's just like low iq bottom tier shit to do like go go enjoy your life
1: i think that's actually a great exercise people should do anything you put online in your, your twitter or whatever you actually then need to tell the other person in real life what you did because that's i guess for most people quite embarrassing
2: <laughs> yeah like for me i'm stoked to be able to say this is what i put out on on fucking twitter or like just on a feed today because i want it to be good and do i occasionally yeah. troll absolutely i, I will <laughs> admit i am a big fan of meme lords and the occasional trolling it's just i grew up in the age of the internet but i don't spend my entire existence on twitter trolling i just i just drop a comment here and there and then i just move on and i mean sometimes i get some that catch fire like uh, one i recently dropped a few days ago so, oh, oh, it was one dude i think like uh give was a check mark i love dropping on check marks and oh, getting yeah. the followers man because that that <laughs> shit gives me life oh i get so happy I, I just simply said something to the effect of I'm not gonna take the vaccine because it has not run the proper clinical trial period, which is usually four to seven years of a, a vaccine. It has a mortality case on it a doctor did die from it and that's not good for a vaccine in its current form with all these people trying to say mm, you need take it <laughs> And I was just like, I, I'm not gonna take it and I, I was being sarcastic with the, the whole thing when I was doing this shit I said, well, you know what? There are a lot of people that are saying I should take the vaccine. I I feel you guys should go before me, because I don't trust these things in the vaccine, and it'd be very selfless for me to let you all get it before me. I'm going to rely on my natural ability to go outside, absorb sunlight, my high T levels, my diet, and my fight regimen to, to fight it off, and we're all in this together, people, and they lost it, like, God, for three days, like, they just would not stop, and I'd occasionally see a notification from them, like, this is incredible, like, I'm living in the right? free.
1: Oh, yes. I have had this experience as well when you actually have to mute a conversation on Twitter because it just keeps popping up on your notifications with, like, days later. And you think, really, they're still talking about this. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's already... They
2: do. They, like, they keep yeah. going with it. And I think, like, the last notification finally popped up yesterday from it. Man, I wrote this tweet on, like, fucking Monday. And it's still, like, popping off. And I'm like oh my god, you guys don't know any end. Like, oh my, this is this is about as good as a cup of coffee I had this morning. I'm ready to start my day now. And I'm just like, I'm fucking chuckling. I'm all happy as shit because there's still people getting triggered about it. And then some of the notifications were some of the other like, the the, the lefties fighting with one another about it. Like, because one of them called me a retard, which I give him props. I, I commend anybody who gets ballsy with something like that in free speech. I was like, look at him go okay the colonies on him <laughs> and another person that was like against me in this argument started arguing with him because like, you can't say the fucking retard word uh, you have you better take your judgment elsewhere because like obviously your criticism is in the wrong place here and I'm sitting here going you know what no it's not please by all means you two fight it out I'm getting so much entertainment out of this
1: Yes, yeah, see, but that is the actually how you use social media, right? These guys are using it detrimentally and ruining their own energy life and day pretty much and you just get enjoyment out of it. And that is am, exactly <laughs> how so you good. use it. Yeah.
2: So invigorating.
1: yeah. It is. And this is the the key point which uh, I think most most people really use it wrongly. They don't understand that it's if anything to connect with people or to get ideas or to put ideas out and to actually get entertainment from it.
2: Exactly, And all it did is just it, it sent my engagement through the roof for that one tweet. I was like this This is incredible. Like I I, I have a great life
0: <laughs> uh, Rich you were briefly mentioning uh, before That people should just go offline just drop Twitter and enjoy life uh, What does it mean for you? What is uh, like practical? how do you enjoy life?
2: um how do you mean exactly how do i enjoy life
0: i mean you were mentioning like uh you would go around like hiking and stuff so uh yeah what what, what makes you what gives you like uh i don't want to say a purpose in life but but yeah what makes you happy i <laughs> i am aware that this is like a very uh very broad question also a very personal question but uh yeah how how would you say I... you enjoy life
2: I am. I'd like to think I'm a pretty simple man. There, there's a lot of things in life that do make me happy because I'm constantly grateful to be able to enjoy those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being outside. Outdoors, I always grew up being outside. I still love it. Uh, new sights every time, man. I just I get so excited when I go somewhere new and I'm like I haven't seen this place before. I want to go see what they have here. I want to go in and, and like just completely immerse myself in it. Especially when I go to another country, it's like I remember. I went to Japan a third time back in like late like 2018 it, it never got old I I just there was always something new to do that that shit just gives me so much energy and, and life when I go somewhere new and I get to do something and you know keep a little receipt of it and keep it keep it near and dear to me uh mm. being able to create content right of course um spending time with my family I I I love it man I just I grew up very family-centric, and I, I still love being around my family, doing stuff with them. Uh, and anything really gets my adrenaline going. I, I love being in physical activity. Like, I just went snowboarding last weekend. It's a thrill. I love anything that's like with a board sport. I grew up skating and surfing. I, I still surf when I can get out in the water. Uh, yeah, just just being outside and experiencing new things in life, really, that just... That makes me happy. And then, obviously, on the career side of endeavors, it's like just building my own position up and getting myself set to be able one day just fully work for myself and bring in the money I want to to be able to, mm. to help retire my mom and my dad just to see them do well and make sure that, like, my fiance doesn't ever have to really work again if she chooses not to. Like, just let her go, hey, honey, we're going somewhere. Pack your bag, get your passport, let's go. Just be able to do that off a of whim. Like, those things make me happy.
0: Well, uh, Rich, speaking of uh, enjoying life, would you consider yourself, uh, I mean, uh, briefly talking about you being an author and a ghostwriter, uh, do you consider yourself being a perfectionist?
2: In some things, yes. Mm -hmm. I will readily admit that I am a perfectionist in some things. I've learned to curtail it back because it was perfectionist to the point where I wouldn't do anything until it was perfect. And that, that can be bad, as we've learned and I've had to move past that over like the last handful of years like okay it may not be perfect but at this point I'm just like I want to be able to get it out there quicker get it out there sooner and hey, if it's got some things that aren't perfect with it that's fine. There's very few things I get super perfectionist about at that point point. Yeah. and if I do I'm going to go to it and make sure I work on it until it's a result that I want before releasing it.
0: Absolutely. Uh Alex, what's your take on that? Are you a perfectionist?
1: No, not at all, actually. <laughs> um, I'm really on the other side there. Sometimes I just just went with uh, just go with something that isn't really finished, and then I discovered that I should have put in more like action, hmm. and this has been a, a case for some things I have put out. And it's, it's always been the case really for me because I really just enjoy doing new things. That is really what I truly enjoy—just new experiences, it's much like Bridge there. And doing new things, getting new things done. And the details are always a bit annoying to me. That's really just part of my my personality. But I have learned to to cover this up and actually look into them and get it done properly. But it is something that I have to to fight myself with. I don't enjoy it that much. So I'm really just a. I guess this is also where my creativity comes from. I'm just a free, free living soul.
0: Hmm. All right, guys, uh, we're almost out of time. And uh, Rich, the, the last minutes belong to you. Uh, you don't have to tell the audience where to find you. I put the links in the description. Uh, but you are going to publish your first fantasy novel, as uh, you said before. When's the release date?
2: It is coming up on the 29th
0: all right and it will be available on amazon and
2: yes, B. uh that's probably where i'll start and then i'd like to eventually move to an actual publisher if i could down the line but in the meantime it's easy to release that way and i mean it's, it's like we said why wait for perfection you might as well just execute then and there So the the first trilogy is supposed to drop this year and I'm just looking forward to keeping help co-penning the series and we rock and roll with it.
0: All right, uh, Rich, I'm going to put the link into the description of this video. Tell the folks who are listening uh, briefly what your novel is all about.
2: The book is about a young man that turns 18 and he decides that to make his way into the world, he wants Bounty Hunts and that provides him his living as well as his insatiable wanderlust to see the world and he also has a little bit of a, a thing where he wants to go see if his parents are still alive on the other side of the world after a tragedy that happened when he was young they never confirmed if the parents were killed or not so he wants to go find them and ultimately go into one part of the world called the Green Frontier which is pretty much the wild lands of the world where you go just of how dangerous it is and how much of a mystery it still remains to their modern world. But that's pretty much what it bases around and along the way he gets to learn more about himself uh, he gets to meet other people that share that and it just, it just leads on a series of adventures that help unfold and build that world up. It's,
1: it's Damn, like an, I want to read that.
0: Yes, yes, it <laughs> It's sounds Coming like an, out? <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: it's coming I mean, out on
2: the
0: hype. All right, the hype is <laughs> that sounds really interesting. It actually, yeah, um, actually, it really like a great story. It actually mirrors everything we 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 said today, like like it's you know you have like you have like this setting of a fantasy journey, and obviously like uh, it's like masculine values, which I'm sure Rich, you're gonna you're gonna put in there in a very beautiful way. I and many oh, yeah. others are looking forward to your first novel, man.
2: you gonna be the first of many. I'm just gonna write and write. And I mean, I, I write with the intent of I just want to tell a good story. I'm mm. not here to try to make like a Netflix series. I'm not here to try to become the next JK Rowling or anything like that. I simply want to write, put a good story out, something to pass along with my kids one day. And if it happens to gain that kind of momentum and reach those echelons of famed series that exist in such mediums, cool. But I'm I'm just gonna write because I want to.
0: Well, that sounds interesting. Uh, guys, I'm afraid we are already out of time. Uh, anything left you guys wanna to say to the Precious Red Smoke audience?
1: i would say definitely buy his book generally. yes
0: guys do it i mean not yet because <laughs> it's not it's not available <laughs> yet to do it man <laughs> all right guys uh rich a special uh special thanks to you for coming on thank you rich not the next jk rowling rubio for for coming on to red smoke so <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome to to uh join us anytime again as as often as you want uh cigar lounge here in berlin is is open for you obviously oh beautiful awesome man all right guys um that's it for today join us next week when red smoke returns it's red smoke baby for people who wear name tags to work masculinity with pleasure